So there's, you've got 30 youth. I was one of two translators, but we decided to sleep out in this unfinished church out under the stars. Well, sometime in the middle of the night, the, it started sprinkling. So all of us kind of got up and went under some, some shelter to sleep. One guy didn't wake up. <laughs> all that happened to him was he woke up and saw like clothes and sleeping bags and other things still out and just him. Oh, wow. Now we've, we've all been taught about the rapture. We've been all been taught about the second coming on the stuff. And he said, Absolutely. He, he, he told us, he's like, I sat up and I was like, well, shit. Well, shit. Yeah, and then he realized what time it was. He's like, well, if they didn't take me, at least I'm going to go back to sleep. So he just went right back to sleep. <laughs> You act yourself. Wish I could learn that. For I went through hell. Lord, I was trying to flip the cards I was dealt. This is Cumin. This is Caleb. Welcome to Life Unwasted, a podcast where we look into our past to discover our present. It's really weird taking a quite a hiatus from our show and coming back. Um, and getting back on, uh, getting back on with some folks uh, that I've never met before. Um, we're really broadening this season beyond Faith Academy MKs to include a whole variety of other schools, other countries, um, and that's going to kind of dominate most of most of this season. This podcast is about uh, missionary kids. Myself and Cumin uh, interview missionary kids from all around the world to get their stories, um, and uh, it's very unscripted. Uh, we met this guest not but five minutes ago, <laughs> um, and I apologize off the front of the show. I'm I'm sick as a dog, but the the, the show must go on, and and we're excited. Um, over the summer, uh, we you know we broke ten thousand downloads. Um, we're in fifty countries right now, um, and it's been awesome seeing more and more people reach out to us on social media and say things like. Um, I felt so alone. I feel like um, I'm processing all of this trauma and grief um, that's been packed away for years uh, by myself. And uh, our guests, you know, our guest voices and our guest stories has really been a comfort to myself, uh, to, to human. I'm going to speak for you as well. Um, and, and all of those folks who are listening and really trying to take um, our experiences from the past reevaluate them and look at them with our uh, fresh eyes, you know, our, our perspective from today, and then reintegrate them back into our current experience. You know, what did these things mean then? What do they mean now? And what do they mean for always? Um, today on the podcast, I'd like to introduce uh, a social media influencer that I ran across on TikTok. Uh, his handle is chaotic dad. Um, but uh, we're going to call him Daniel. Um, I don't know. I might, I might still call you chaotic dad. Um, I was scrolling through TikTok. I actually just searched missionary kid uh, as a hashtag. And um, uh, I, I ran across his TikTok and it was fantastic. I've learned so much uh, from this guy's um, uh, uh, TikTok. And uh, I wanted to have him on the show. Cuman has never met him. Neither have I. So Daniel, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself 
tell us a little bit about your background, you know, where you've been, um, uh, where you are now, and just kind of give us the, 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 the biopic of, of who Daniel is. Well, hey, for, first of all, I appreciate y'all having me on here. It's, it's, it's an honor to be invited and, and to get to speak with other MKs. I don't actually run into many of them uh, as much anymore here. I live in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And so I don't come across them quite as much since my the circle of friends have changed. My community has changed somewhat. But I was born and raised in Guatemala. My parents were missionaries there for 45 years. Um, and I still have a brother who's there uh, who married a Guatemalan and stayed. So so we are, we're all in there. I didn't really, as far as my mission family, I, I didn't move around outside of Guatemala, but I did do a lot of mission work all around the world from Kenya to um, doing work for the uh, in the Indonesian tsunami uh, was there for two months doing that work. Uh, that one was less mission work and just more volunteer. But yeah, uh, from I said Kenya, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Mexico, uh, the list goes on. By the time I was 22, I'd been to about 16 different countries, 17 if you count Alabama. Uh, I, I do count Alabama as a different I count country. Alabama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it includes a 10-hour layover in Seoul uh, where we got lost on New Year's Day. Uh, that was an entertaining story, but that we can save that for another time. But yeah, um, no, I, I, I now, um, I was in the faith for about a little over 30 years and deconstructed since then. And now I am an agnostic atheist. Uh, I still... I still kind of hold on to the family that I had there and the family that I still talk to. Uh, thankfully we are in good, <laughs> we have a good relationship still, mm -hmm. but uh, since then I I've deconstructed and during that process of deconstructing, I ended up uh, kind of feeling alone in that as y'all know, mm -hmm. tearing apart the, the family, but uh, and tearing apart the community that you, you built. And from that, I decided this year in January to, step out and kind of put myself out there on, on TikTok because I felt alone. And now, you know, eight, nine months later, uh, I run a TikTok, uh, group, uh, family platform. It's like, we like to call it a family because it is consists of people from all different kind of journeys and whatnot, mm -hmm. whether it's religious deconstruction or just deconstruction in general from various things. Uh, we support each other because, we all know that these journeys can tend to feel very lonely. And so yeah. uh, I've provided that we have the chaotic crew as you, as you've heard, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so that, that's been a, I guess, as a, to, to use my old language, uh, mm -hmm. a blessing in disguise is when I got on there, I expected only like maybe, you know, 40 people maybe to, be interested in it and now we've we've kind of blown up and we're known and and more specifically the deconstruction community yeah but. there's a very specific space that you hold that's very safe um and we yeah. try to you know and i just want to say to everybody out there um we this season as always we have a mix of individuals who are still mm. in the faith who are believers who are mks that are bringing their experience you know and in enhancing their faith with it or growing in their faith uh, and we have individuals who you know have uh, deconstructed, or um, you know, I, I think you described yourself as an agnostic atheist. 
And yeah. uh, we respect everybody. And at the end of the day, um, we want to make sure that at the, we're, we're listening. Um, but I want to ask you, um, what was life like in Guatemala? What was school like? Like what? Uh, t- tell us about that. And how old were you? Well, you were you said you were born there. I was born there, raised there. Uh, we had our furloughs. And so, oh, I did I did leave off the part that we are uh, Southern Baptist. So uh, the International Mission Board was who my parents were connected with. Um, yeah, I was born there and, and graduated high school there. Uh, the only times I did not go to school there was, I think it was kindergarten, no, first grade, sixth grade, and 11th grade when we had furloughs, where, of course, we were in the U.S. speaking at churches and doing that, doing the circuit, if you will. <laughs> so oh, Yeah, yeah, we yeah. talked about that a lot, the, the song and dance. Uh, across the song the, and dance, the, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which, um, which I, I will give them credit for with that. I've been able to then use the ability to speak and stuff and be comfortable yeah. with myself in front of people to be able to do what I do now. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something you've taken with you. There's the ability yeah. to connect with um, people you've never met before. Um, exactly. What school, what was the name of your school? What was that like? What was the size? You know, like what was, you know, you're the, you're, I think you're the first guacamole, guacamole. Oh my guacamole. God. Guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly <laughs> enough, I don't, Oddly enough, I don't like guacamole. That's that's oh, the really? one. That's the one thing that I mm-hmm. people are like, "You're not Guatemalan." I'm like, well, if you've seen how pale I am, you wouldn't think so either. But mm-hmm. uh, the two main missionary schools down there were um, Christian Academy of Guatemala and International uh, IAS Inter Inter, Inter- American School, mm-hmm. uh, and I attended both at different times. Mm-hmm. And so they, like I said, I, I graduated at, with the largest class ever at one point. Um, of 22. I know it's, oh, it's wow. massive. Okay. It's massive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what year was that? Uh, I'm going to show my age now. I, I graduated oh. in 97. 97. Right. Okay. You're, you're only a couple of years older than us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We would have been that. in high school at the same time, actually. Yeah. Oh, that would have been, been cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I, I would actually, have been a freshman. You yep. graduated. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, my, my freshman year of college uh, here in, um, in Georgia was at Mercer, and I actually ended up dating a MK from uh, Korea. Uh, huh? And uh, right, um, Sarah, something I cannot, my, I cannot remember right off the top of my head the last name all of a sudden, but I don't want to out her anyway. You were a pretty um, great. You were a pretty great boyfriend. Yeah, let's let's yeah, agree. Let's right, right, right. Um, let's, it, let's it just leave it at mind. that. <laughs> who, who sends human? Who sends missionaries to Korea? Korea sends more missionaries than any other country in the world. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's insane to me. Southern Baptist, Southern Baptist do it. Oh, because, yeah, well, <laughs> I forgot about that's, that detail. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, They funny. they they send everywhere. They're one of the one of the larger uh, mission mm-hmm. organizations. So tell us a, a story from like when you close your eyes. What what's a memory from the the early years? I mean, you would have been in Guatemala back when, um, you know, you couldn't just call home. You know, there's no email the yeah, manual oh, typewriters um <laughs> so, some mks from that time period still remember the telegrams you know um what was oh, life like back then our version of a garage door opener was my dad calling on a two meter radio from the car not a car phone but a two meter radio where you have to like push the button and say over and stuff and we i would be sitting there watching tv and hear the radio cackle and then i have to run out you know i'd to respond back and then go out and open the the gate for him um so yeah That's i remember so cool. i remember that wild stuff 
uh gosh i don't even know where to begin with it um i i remember translating for mission teams as young as seven or eight years old and from that helping every year uh with multiple teams mm-hmm. and even getting to the point where one year we we and, th- and th- th- this one will come with a lesson because uh, many people many missionary kids will understand this uh one year we had a, a medical team come down and this one guy you clearly had plenty of money was like daniel son however much money you save me by negotiating in the market i'll give you that difference of course my oh. eyes just my eyes just lit up oh, i was yeah, like no kidding you understand we mks we're pros at this yeah we yeah. we know how to work this and i think mm-hmm. i was i think i was 11 or somewhere around that age it was it was i was young and man, I cleaned up. Mm-hmm. I was getting 50% off, 60% off, nailing it. And so, I, yeah, I, it was fantastic when it came to that. But then kind of as I did it and, and, and later on, as I got a little older, I, I came to realize, I was like, wait, hold on. Was, was that really right and, and ethical for me to do? Yeah, because we screwed. Well, exactly. Like, yeah, when we look at... When we look at the the places that we live and the places that we served and the people that are there in a place like guatemala sometimes they'll sell stuff at a loss just so that they can mm-hmm. feed their family that day yeah and so now i'm just screwing them i'm, I'm not mm-hmm. helping myself really i'm not you know we're, we're gonna have money we're fine the doctor clearly gonna have money um and but he and didn't that, want he didn't want to be taken advantage of by those people who I mean, right. I, I, I well, paint the and, image in my mind, have nothing, you know? Well, and that's the thing is like, I understand the, uh, the gringo price, right? The, yeah. the, the, the yep. missionary price. If you come down, you got fair skin, you're getting mm-hmm. the gringo price. Now I know from living there what the real price should be. Mm-hmm. So I took advantage for my own mm-hmm. benefit. But I was a kid and I get that. Yeah. I, I've I've forgiven myself for that, but at the same time, I've taken that with me and being like, okay, when it comes down to it, let's look at what how much is that really worth to me? Because when we're talking about quetzales, when we're talking about in the marketplace, we're talking about saving what a couple bucks. Like, what is a couple bucks to me or this doctor? But it's everything to these these people. If you could do it again, would you in Spanish, tell the guy to double the price, and then just no, uh, no, no, <laughs> no, because there's still there's still a there's still, still a system of economics there, and there are people that can't afford a lot. This is a doctor, sure, but there's a lot of people that can't afford a lot. So, so I still negotiate even now. I think it. I think. I think they want to be fair as well, mm-hmm. and so I'll still negotiate now, but I'm not going to like take advantage of them mm-hmm. I, I think it's reasonable to negotiate but but i'm not going to take advantage of them and that's that's okay. where it, it gives perspective on what what value do we put into these things mm-hmm. okay daniel let's notch up the tone a bit and go a bit crazier all right you, you introduced yourself as the chaotic dad so what's the <laughs> chaos in life oh gosh well right now just running trying to be an influencer at the age 45 and sounding like one of those youtube bros like Smash the like button and subscribe. <laughs> Feels so weird. I swear. Uh, I mean, I think we can all agree that every every 
everyone's life has a bit of chaos, right? And for me, the chaotic part is you, you have this typical chaotic life as far as I've got uh, four kids, two of them are, are stepchildren. They're older, but there's still things that we deal with with it. And I fully embrace that as kind of being a father to them as well. Um, I am divorced, but am remarried. But at the same time, we have a wonderful co-parenting relationship to the point where mm -hmm. my ex-wife and wife message each other all the time. Um, and to the point where we're going on vacation together in November. Yeah. Overseas. You, you can tell altogether. a lot about people about how a relationship ends and how they behave mm -hmm. when a relationship ends, you know, because the relationships well, do end, you know? Right. Well, I mean, it, it was hard. Don't get me wrong. It's yeah. There was some I fighting and whatnot. <laughs> there was definitely some some rough times, but the important part was is that both of us, I think, you know, like like her, for example, she was who I thought she was. And she turned around and took care of herself and healed herself. Ooh. And and that was important for that. And that was a part of her that I loved. Now we just weren't compatible in many other ways. And that's okay. And in the end, it was healthier for the kids, for me and for her, um, just to not be together. Yeah. But when we when look you, at where when, we are now, it's fantastic. When you think about your life now, you know, you mentioned being a stepdad and co-parent and all the complexity that is your life now. What, you know, when you're parenting, a lot of memories from childhood do come up, you know, because you, right. you want to be a a different or the same, you know, you want certain things the same, you want certain values, but you also want to, um, what missionary kid memory comes up for you or what have you been processing? Oh gosh. Uh, well, one of the pieces I processed during my deconstruction was this sense of, as, as we all know in the MK world, uh, calling, right. A sense of getting that message of what you're supposed to do, what you're, your life goal is supposed to be my dad when he was age nine was called to be a preacher by age 11 he got the free upgrade to being a missionary and that's exactly what he did and so with that that is something that that stuck with me the my, my entire life all the way up to even now but was part of my drive to want to be want to find my space my relationship with with jesus and with god and that fed that drive that desire to want to do that and and seeing that he you know how dedicated he was and everything really gave me hope that hey okay there's a god this this god spoke to my father mm -hmm. and in missionary world you know everybody around you they get that's the language that's used you got a calling or i felt god lead me here we, yeah. we could we could come up with all sorts of phrases, right? Well, you're, what you brought up for me is um, my dad also was unwavering in his right. um, like I was called. God mm -hmm. is my boss, and and so you grow up with this um, idea of I, I sac you know we all sacrifice and we all shut up and we all right. in, in later in life you don't want it to not be true, you know you right. don't want it to be that your dad just with a bit of a narcissist 
and <laughs> um, you know, and and you know, for for I think was trying to do a good thing, um, but enjoyed the missionary lifestyle and enjoyed the status that came with it, and so, um, that there wasn't some magic magic calling. It was just a choice, and and you you had to endure it. Well, so so I don't look at it quite the same. I don't think it was narcissistic for him. That's what that's where even mm-hmm. as an atheist now. I will say to my audience, to my followers, that if I were to go back to the faith, my parents would be the ones I'd model it after. They are extremely selfless and they do all the little things that you're supposed, that I feel like you're supposed to do when following the faith. The things like, like not, not pushing the religion on them, but just loving the people and my dad would, would keep all these old knives in a, in a drawer. Because there was this one part, one one man that went around the neighborhood, and his job was sharpening knives. He had one of those little foot pedals with a spinning, uh, the the spinning wheel that sharpened knives. Now he sucked at it, but he was trying. And my dad, instead of like giving him some money because he needed it, tried to give the guy purpose. So he kept these old kitchen knives in a drawer and would bring them out, let him sharpen them. And then toss them back in that drawer. But it give that, you know, it's those little things like that that, that I I do praise my That's parents a cool for. Story. And mm. so I don't That's see cool him story. so much as that, but I see his approach as he had a conviction. It was deep-seated at such a young age that he doesn't know anything else. Mm. And he, he has such a deep history with religion. My mom, the same, grew up in North, you know, North Georgia, uh, small country church and all that stuff with the potlucks and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, with the grandmas, it pinched your cheeks every time you showed up. Uh, so, so they were doing the best they could with what they had and what they knew. And you respect that. Right. And I completely respect that. And I'm actually very grateful for, for the fact that I was born into a family that was like that. Yeah. As opposed to, no, go ahead. Appreciate Daniel uh, still not severing that bridge between his family. Daniel still actively talking with his parents and other family members. Right. I mean, uh, to our listeners, we're not, when we talk about deconstruction or when we talk about, having changed our ways, we're not necessarily saying you should do the same. Yeah. We're just saying, let's talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's just have a conversation. We're not trying to make enemies here. That's many mm-hmm. times, that's what I find uncomfortable when talking to folks who who take offense for us even talking about this. Right. <laughs> Well, that's the thing is my platform is meant to be all inclusive. My platform is meant to take the idea of deconstruction beyond just religion. If you are an atheist and you become a Christian, technically you're deconstructing a previous belief system or a previous Mm. version of who you are and rebuilding it into something else. And whether you're an alcoholic wanting to become sober, like you, you, we can go back and forth on all these types. Everybody has a different journey and it doesn't have to be religious based, but in no matter which one of those journeys that I mentioned, or we can come up with, oftentimes we 
don't know what to do in those journeys. And AA, really, oh, go yeah. ahead. I was gonna say, I really appreciate you guys and just the maturity that you bring to this conversation. I was kind of getting, you know, um, you know, I was I was working through my own stuff there a, a minute ago. Hey, I don't blame uh, you. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I think that, you know, that uh, the space that you hold in 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 um, uh, on TikTok and in the space we want to hold here is um, not forcing anything on anybody. You know, there's right. like three kinds of people in this world. There's people who like pineapple on pizza. There's people who don't like pineapple on pizza. And then there's the people who don't like pineapple and pizza and need everyone to know about it and are not. <laughs> See, okay. Now you're just trying to stir shit up. That's what you're yeah, trying to right? do. You're yeah. mentioning pineapple on pizza now. Now, <laughs> now you're just trying to start controversy. Ask Jane, uh, Caleb, are you trying to pick a pie fight? Pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, my, my point is. Are you crazy? <laughs> oh, I love next, next he's going to tell us Santa's not so real. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, what if what if there's a bunch of MKs out there that realize just now that sand is not real? That would be actually. Oh, my, I should have asked you how young your audience is. <laughs> <laughs> my parents told me. I, this brings back a memory for me. My parents were adamant from um, when we were born that uh, Santa's not real and that Jesus is the purpose of Christmas and all that. And I remember one Christmas we were in Indiana and our cousins were there. And um, my parents brought us in the back room and they said, okay, your uncle Keith is coming in. He's dressed as Santa. That's not him. I'm in second grade. Okay. Uh, that's not, that's just uncle Keith. Your cousin, Brian doesn't know about this. Okay. You can, you have to pretend <laughs> like you're excited to see Santa. And I was just like, well, that kind of ruins, you know, like, and I thought Santa was this like bad thing. I thought Santa was something dirty. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, so that so that 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 kind of brings me back to that the story about my dad and 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 his calling is, you know, we we have all these little things like Santa, like other 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 things like along those lines that we're told. Some people are told. I wasn't told Santa was bad. We still did Christmas as a kid, mm. um, and we still did it. Like we had our space on the couch where there would be some gifts that weren't wrapped and those were the ones that santa left out now looking back at it now it just hit me that maybe they were just too lazy to wrap presents <laughs> but that's okay but <laughs> <laughs> that's what this show's about it's i just had a realization thing. now we wow. can move on um but but it's these little messages that we get along the way that just to me didn't make sense and with the calling piece i also had <laughs> I, I got these feelings from it of guilt and shame mm, mm. because I went my whole life, no matter, no matter the mission trip I did to Bolivia when I was 16 or Mexico in 16, you know, the list goes on no matter everything. And, and I know the, the trope of it's, it's not, it's not religion. It's a relationship. Yeah. I get that. That's all I was trying to do was build that relationship. And when I'm not hearing mm anything from the other side to me it's like a if if i never talked to my wife i love mm -hmm. her but never talked to her that relationship's still not going to last and yet i felt guilty the whole time i was like why is everyone around me getting mm -hmm. a calling why is everyone else around me hearing this clear voice and i'm getting these little signs that i kind of attributed to god but as i look back on them now i'm going well that doesn't make sense that it was god 
if it's something that I can recreate on my own. But, mm. but even during that time as an MK, constant shame, constant guilt of like, why isn't he talking to me? What am I doing wrong? As opposed to, I guess it goes back to, it goes to the point of me becoming a father. And at that point, realizing like it is my job, these these kids that I brought into the world, they didn't ask to be here. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. But it's my job to educate them and to show them and make sure they know that I love them and that I'm there not to guess what my instructions are based on a the fact that I have 15 translations of it or have it in different languages would be very clear to each one in the way that they learn, but also make sure that before they leave my house to go live in the world, they know that I love them. There's no question. There's no mm -hmm. thought of, well, I think he showed me he loved me, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, because if they don't, if they don't meet Yes, if they don't if they don't do what I, I taught them to do and if they don't know that I love them, then the question isn't what did they do wrong? The question as a father is what did I do wrong? How did I not communicate to them properly? And when I came to that realization, there that kind of alleviated a lot of the guilt and shame that I had. Because I was that like, you know, gears. I it, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, it just completely, it completely yeah. kind of broke it down and, and and took that guilt and shame off of me and going, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Why am what, what I you, at fault? What you brought up for me is I was thinking through, because I know exactly what you're you're feeling. You know, everyone around me would verbalize that God was speaking to them and right. feeling things and all this. And, and like, I'm not really feeling it. I'm trying to convince myself that I am and during the praise and worship, you kind of whip yourself up into a, you know, um, oh, yeah. into a feeling and all those things. Um, but it, it doesn't last, you know. And then um, and you're also going through adolescence during that time. And you're being told that, you know, thinking about your your sexuality or your gender identity <laughs> or any of these things are bad. And then it's not, like, not well, just not thinking about them. Not just thinking like not just that they're bad. Yeah. But you know, in Matthew, it talks about even if you think it basically right. done right. it. And yes. let's be honest, guys, as as a teenage boy, we yeah. definitely thought it. <laughs> so then so then I tie God not loving me because he doesn't speak to me to right. I'm going through adolescence and I'm I'm trying to, you know, again, you know, uh, just explore um, my, my sexuality, my gender identity, blah, blah, blah. And in the normal adolescent phases that you're supposed to have and the, the added complexity is. You are that missionary kid up in front of everyone who's supposed to be perfect, both mm -hmm. in your parents' ministry and then when you come back to the U.S. And, you know, it, it, I knew I was faking it, you know. Well, it strongly affects your identity. Mm. I didn't think I was faking it. There's moments I, oh. I, I knew. I, I, there were moments. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. that, that I kind of knew I was faking it because I was just like, okay, we're doing this again. But mm -hmm. At the core of what I believed, I didn't think I was faking it. Mm -hmm. I believed. But on top of that, as what you just pointed out, we're expected as MKs to present ourselves a certain way. Mm -hmm. We're expected to act a certain way and, and so forth. Not just follow the rules, 
but we can't hurt our parents' message or their mm -hmm. image. Yeah. And when we do, oh, the weight of that. And so you weren't, you weren't allowed to be yourself. Like I wasn't, you know, not really allowed to explore who you are. You had this illusion of, of, of it, mm -hmm. but honestly, like, sure. They let me play the sports I wanted. They let me do some, you know, there's a lot of stuff I got to do on my own. And, I, and again, I give my parents credit that they actually encouraged me to think for myself with the intention, I believe of expecting that I was just going to build, become a stronger Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, they let you do they, a lot of stuff on your own. I, I, I'm, I'm going to derail this for a second. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, what kinds of thing? What kind of adventures did you get up to in oh, Guatemala God. in the '90s? As because uh, as yeah, let's go there. Let's go. Okay. There. Well. Okay. So y'all tell me first. Did y'all have like one year where you just really rebelled? No, not really. Ish, not really. Kind of. Okay. No, uh, I was a good little boy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was mostly a good boy. But I can tell you, my seventh grade year, I was off the rails. We had, you know, but that that was because I was still trying to find my place with friends. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in a town where I was definitely the minority. I mean, I was a minority everywhere. I went in Guatemala, but this was even, you know, the school because of the civil war that was going on in Guatemala for so long. A lot of missionaries had left, and so this at inter American school, uh, they had to start letting in some Guatemalans who could pay tuition uh, in order to keep the school free for us and still going. Well, that made me the minority there now too. Um, and trying to find my place there, I, I'm also a little bit of a people pleaser. I know that about myself, uh, but in trying, but I'm also extremely loyal. And during that year, trying to get into this friend group, oh man, <laughs> I did get suspended for a total of about four and a half weeks. Um, my best friend was basically Screech from Saved by the Bell. No matter what scheme I came up with, this dude got me caught every time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we had even done something where they, they had keys to the, the school behind the secretary in this closet. And we had convince her that, that we'd go back there and get some of the equipment that was back there for a recess or something along those lines and took some of the keys, some of the spare keys, copied them and then snuck them back in. And Whoa. that was so that later on we could mess around in the school. How did you copy them? <clears throat> I went, you just went to a store and got them copied. Like we, we oh, took them home. Yeah. Copied okay. them, came I see. Back, I see. And, yeah. You took them home. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. Um, yeah. Well, it gets less brilliant. <laughs> um, I did end up with some equipment from the uh, chemistry department that I used for picking locks, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> but this, this, this guy, <laughs> poor guy, I love him to death, but he, he put them all in a key ring and carried them around. Like he was some sort of, you know, I don't know, like boss or something. The part of the story you haven't heard yet is his dad used to be the principal. Ah, his dad's like, what are all these keys? And so we got busted for that, though. <laughs> I tried to come up with some sort of lie for it. Uh, and, and in good saved by the bell fashion, the principal at the time's last name was Killback, Mr. <laughs> Killback. So like that's I'm like, that's a sitcom name if I've ever seen one. And so 
Mr. Kilback. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I tried to defend my friend as much as possible and not snitch on him. And, and I ended mm -hmm. up getting like two weeks of suspension for it because I didn't, because <laughs> I lied basically. Yeah. Even though I thought it was for good cause, but yeah. Oh no, that was just one of, of many of the adventures. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know That's where. That's a lot of ingenuity anymore. for a seventh grader. Let's put, I mean, <laughs> Gen X is built different. All right. I mean, that's some, they that's don't even know. Matt, look, I was, I was shoplifting that same uh -huh. year and selling the stuff at school. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I, I, my, my, my dad kept a drawer and I've already been busted for this one. Now, mm -hmm. some of the stuff, if my parents ever listen to this, will be like, I don't know that you ever told us that story. <laughs> um, have you, I, I've had those moments at Christmas dinner where i we're like reminiscing and i'll tell a story in there and my mom will just be silent i'm like I just realize uh you know, I didn't know about that one mm -hmm. uh but yeah i mean he, my dad used to keep a drawer where he 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 kept different you know american money guatemala money and stuff and using some of those those that equipment from the uh chemistry lab i used for picking his, the filing cabinet lock and would slowly siphon out money from there uh, eventually I was the idiot who bought something and they're like, there's no way you could afford that. Yeah. Right. And tried to come up, wiggle my way out of that one. That did not work. I got busted quickly for that one. That's how bank robbers always get caught, man. They go out man. and buy a Ferrari yeah. to spend the money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I learned that lesson. I learned that lesson. I mean, it was, <laughs> oh gosh, that, that year was one thing after another. And that, that's the first time that I, I made my mom cry the way mm. in a sad way. Um, and that, that broke my heart. Um, mm. because was it was one thing about, after another. Can you tell us about that one? Or is that, is that, not, that is that it was more just the whole thing. Mm. It was just that whole year. And it was one thing after another. And I mean, I missed my first date. I think we were supposed to go on, um, it was another MK who was actually born in the same hospital as me in Guatemala the day before, the day after me. <laughs> and she was the cousin of my best friend who got me caught with the other thing. Um, <laughs> so, mm -hmm. uh, I missed a biking competition. I missed, like I said, a total of four and a half weeks of school for suspension. Um, <clears throat> so you can imagine as someone who, who, who sees, uh, you know, a mom who's extremely caring and loving and, and sees me going through this and doesn't know what to do with it because both of them well, were just saints. I mean, and even as kids, they were saints. Four and a half weeks of suspension is ridiculous. No, yeah. There's not one thing you've said so far that would warrant a month off of school. That's really <laughs> harsh. That The first one was two weeks. The second time was two and a half weeks. Um, but, uh, yeah, that one, I don't know that I'll, I'll go into detail on that one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go I'm going to leave that one off the table for now, but, um, but yeah, you know, it was, when it, it was kid, not my proudest moment. So what was going on for you? I mean, you know, kids, kids do that shit. What was going on in your life where, you know, if you think about your kids today, if they started acting out like that. How would you approach it as a parent? You know, I, I don't think you would suspend them, get them suspended from school for two weeks or whatever it is. You know, if your kid was just acting out like that, what would you do now? Well, first off, I don't think my parents knew what to do with this. I have the benefit of having gone through it and kind of seeing things <clears throat> from a different perspective. Like I said, with, with my parents, they were raised in the church. They were raised, they were 
you know, leave it to Beaver family. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't even know if they had sex. I think I was just immaculate conception. Um, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm sure they did, but you know, like, there was never. We can a, we can ask them. I can email them. That's fine. I don't yeah. mind. It, <laughs> it, it doesn't bother. See, I, it doesn't bother me as much. I'm like, it's natural. More power <laughs> to you. Um, and so I, I do have the benefit of kind of looking back on it and knowing that there were things they didn't talk to me about because mm-hmm. I don't know that they knew how. Mm-hmm. Um, even like sex education, like sex, mm-hmm. like sure, I knew how the I knew how babies were made, but. I didn't know about all the other intricacies, all the other feelings you would have, everything else Mm -hmm. that came up. And the world's telling you one thing, they're telling you another, or they're not telling you another Mm -hmm. in some cases, and you discover it on your own. So with my kids, if they were going through something similar to me, I guess it's kind of hard to say that they would because we're very open in my family. We talk about everything. And we provide, I try to provide them the safe space that I provide people online also. Mm -hmm. Because I know that during that time that I was going through that, I felt alone then too. I didn't feel like I wasn't getting my calling. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I'd found who myself. We had been to, so we finished fifth grade, went to South Carolina for sixth grade and was in a school that was significantly larger than the one I was in. So I was way out of place there. Um, and then went back again for seventh grade. And during this time, I was basically a freshman twice because at that school in Guatemala, it, for like kindergarten through seventh through sixth grade was elementary. Seventh through 12th was high school. Well, when I went from fifth grade to middle school, now I'm a you know freshman in middle school. Yeah. Go back. Now I'm a freshman in high school. (laughs) So there's a lot of identity stuff going on there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that same year, we, we, we were told that we're going to be moving to Guatemala city where I would be going to a school where now has elementary, middle school and high school. So within a span of four years, I was going to be a freshman three times. Yeah. But moving in those three years and knowing it was going to move, like it just completely, you, you can't find your place and you feel guilty. You feel shame. Like you just, everything just piles on. And so that's with my kids. We try to support them. We try not to hide anything from them. We try to make it as clear as possible that no matter what they're going through, we're not going to punish them for it. That if they make a mistake, guess what? They all make mistakes. And there might be some consequences, but they're they're not going to be disproportionate. And there are only going to be consequences if it's something that I've actually taught you about. And that I think you know you shouldn't be doing. But if it's something where you just screwed up, like, like try to give them some grace. Mm-hmm. And so that's a tough question that you ask because right now my, I've got, you know, I've got one who's 16 and the other one who's 12. And these are the, my two, my two with, with my first wife. And they've never, from my knowledge, have never felt like they've had to hold anything back from me. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, my, I have an 11 and uh, 14 year old 
Um, so we're in a very similar situation. Right. You know, I, I have a lot of hope for Gen Z because a lot of them have been raised by Gen X and they do have a, the Gen X work ethic, you know, um, but they also have the benefit of they'll be like Gen X, but with therapy, you know, right. Well, and, exactly. <laughs> like, can, you know, like uh, in, insight. <laughs> well, and it, it, empathy. that's the thing. I've get we've gotten them therapy at different times for various things, mm. as opposed to just say you know, deal with it or you shouldn't do that. Or whatever we like, okay. Yeah. Or there's something wrong with you that you're struggling. Exactly. You know. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to teach them that hey, there are things that are out of your control, but there are things that you can control to help those other things. Mm. There's things that you can grow. There's there's ways to become become a whole person, which I think goes goes back to my whole, you know, my marriage and my ex-wife, you know, my my, my current wife and my ex-wife is that. You know, before we're taught and the language that was used in our generation was two has become a whole, right? Mm-hmm. See, I think with all due respect, I think that's bullshit. No, I think it it's should be two. No, it should be two holes become a couple. Yeah. You become it's, a couple. Because it's multiplication. It's not addition. So 0. 0.5 mm-hmm. times 0. 0.5 is 0. 0.25, right? Um, right? Well, it's just. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's an old pastor thing. I did want to say, I think. Um, the boomer generation kind of taught us um, that uh, to have grit, to be tough, you had to just not feel your feelings, you know? And I think you're t- you can teach your kids to be tough and work hard and, you know, and li- life's not easy. Right. But at the same time, you know, look inside yourself and, and grow and feel your feelings at the same time. You can oh, do okay. both. And my parents did better than, than theirs, they, you know, by a long shot, right? That right. sounds like a lyric <laughs> from a song. You just wrote a poem, Caleb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. It's like I love my parents. They yeah. they were fantastic, yeah, but too. they they could not relate to me mm-hmm. in the sense of my calling. Mm-hmm. And I was so dedicated and so into everything that I can't completely blame them mm-hmm. because from their eyes they see they saw a kid who was minus minus seventh grade uh, they mm-hmm. saw well even in seventh grade i was doing some good stuff but they saw a kid who was really dedicated who was really trying and for them they're going to see that oh this is going to blossom into something grand like he's going to do amazing things um, at one point when my brother was was struggling in his faith and, and kind of going through his own stuff I was told by somebody that he looked up to me when he was trying to get his, his act together mm-hmm. because of my dedication. Because of, And now he's the one who there's a movie out there called Small Group. I don't know if you've heard of it, mm-hmm. that half that movie's about him mm-hmm. and the work he's doing now. And, you know, he's in the top echelon of missionary kids right now doing the, the stuff he does. Mm-hmm. And so... That tells you, like, that, that gives you an image as far as what my dedication was. Yeah. And that I was sincere about it, that I really meant it. And that yeah, I, I don't know what else to tell the people who come into my lives and tell me, you were never an ex Christian. I'm like, okay. And how does that further the conversation? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're all, you're all in. 
Um, yeah. But okay, so so two things. Firstly, you know, our time is winding down, and there's usually, you know, there, I want to ask you, you're thinking about everything that we've we've done now, and thinking about your missionary kid experience. Um, I want to ask you, um, what does it all mean now? You know, what parts are you still unpacking? And um, so I want to ask you that question, and then uh, I want to give it to you now, so you have some time to think. Um, what is a story that your family tells all the time that's maybe a little bit more exciting, or when you were unsafe, or I don't mm-hmm. know what Guatemala was like in the '90s, but what oh, you know, I want to, I, I want um, uh, another MK story before we wrap oh, yeah, up. another MK story. Okay, wait. Okay, but, so the first one, the first one. Give me the first yeah, one one more time. The fr- yep, the first one is, you know, when you think about your experience as a whole. Um, right. What pieces of that are you still, are you, when you think about bringing it into your uh, yes. life today, like what pieces are you still working on or processing or what does it all mean? You know, so there's a, there's a couple things to that. The first one of the stuff that I'm still working on is I'm still working on trying to understand the rest of the world, <clears throat> trying to understand the stuff that maybe I was sheltered from. Um, the pieces of things like racism here in America. Uh, I, I don't think my parents were ever, ever really acted that way, taught me that way. They, you know, we were always all inclusive, but there's just little things, especially as I'm an influencer on TikTok, like certain language, understanding microaggressions, understanding terminology and how certain phrases might affect people that in my mind isn't even a thing because I, I, I didn't have to deal with it mm-hmm. my whole life. And so it's, it's stuff like that that I unpack as far as like thing trying to figure out things that I still need to learn. Now, the the benefit I would say when I reflect back that I'm really grateful for is my exposure to all these cultures. Not just the exposure, but those lessons that my parents taught me about respecting the culture, embracing the culture, and recognizing, hey, when you're in that village and this family is sharing with you this meal, that could be their meal for that night. So don't turn your nose up at it. It doesn't matter if it's durian, which is the best God awful. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. I like pineapple on my pizza and I like durian. All right. I knew I, I knew I didn't like you for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm messing with you. (laughs) No, I mean, look, I understand durian is one of those things that apparently there is no middle ground. There is no, I Mm -hmm. think it's okay. It's, I love it or I hate it. And if you eat it enough, you're supposed to supposedly eventually love it. I tried it four times. <laughs> y'all can keep it. You don't like it. Yeah, you don't like it. No. Okay. Uh, it tastes I, like I, a I, dirty gym sock and mixed yeah. with onions, and you taste it three days later if you burp. <laughs> but I, I but derailed though, you from your, your <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. I, I, that culture, that acceptance, like mm-hmm. I ate it no matter how. Like that was the first fruit that made me want to throw up but i yeah. kept it down i respected the people that opened doors for me to then later come not as a missionary but as someone who cared about the people to help with the tsunami relief work when that happened mm-hmm. and to open doors to what i'm doing now and just being who i am where i can i can walk into any group of people and almost immediately be accepted yeah and not just accepted but seen as one of them and I mean, that shows on TikTok where there's the BIPOC community um, of, of atheists, African atheists, Afro atheists, Sebastian Cole, 
Quan, a bunch of, of them that, that, that kind of stay in their space that have embraced me almost immediately. And that I'm grateful for. And what, 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 you know, you've brought that up. I think this is maybe the second time you, you've brought uh, that, that theme up. Why is it so significant now? Um, you know, thinking about previously negotiating with that doctor to kind of screw over the local, the local <laughs> merchants, you know, um, you know, you brought that story up as kind of like, I would have maybe done better if I'd known better. And then now, you know, being embraced, um, by individuals who clearly feel safe with you and understand that you're an ally. Why is that so important now? Because of the society we're in right now, because for me, like, I don't even like using the term ally. I, I think mm -hmm. it is too loaded. And I, and I don't think we should even have to be an ally. We should just be. Yeah. We're kind of naming ourselves with heroic language, aren't we? Right. And, and it's, it's just, the bare minimum of being a good person is well, having empathy for others. You know, I don't even think that I don't even like when they call me an ally. Yeah, I, I I do respect it because that is the term that we use right now. But I I don't like to even be called it because it, that shouldn't be the case. So it's important to me now because of the people I'm around, the people I love. The the I am so multicultural in, mm -hmm. in who I am in my core. I will look like a crackhead waiting for his next hit if I do not take a trip out of the country at least once a year. Mm -hmm. Like I need to experience, be around different cultures. And so it's important to me right now because of the harm that has been done by people who look like me, mm -hmm. to be honest. And I can accept that. And until some of us accept that, and just roll with it and just be the good people that we should be regardless of whether a book tells us to or whatever and just be human with each other like the world's not going to change if we continue to just allow the division to take root and these communities that i've been a part of and when they allow me to be a part of it and not just allow me but embrace me as one of their own that's one seed that changes the culture of our society and how people look at these issues and give hope that hopefully something can change. And that that's why it's so big to me now because I, I we watch it on we watch it on TikTok all day long, especially on my live. I could just be asking somebody a question and people have called me Satan or demon or and I've been the I'm I'm the Antichrist. If, if y'all didn't know it, uh, <laughs> just, I should, I guess I should have given you all that heads up before we started. Oh yeah. 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 My mm. bad. Uh, no, but, but no, Daniel, yeah. you got it mixed up. We have you on because you're the answer. Yes. Oh, yeah, sweet, we, want, sweet. we want you before you're famous. That's why. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're going to, I knew, I knew him when I knew him when, yeah. Before yeah. the rapture happened, which yeah. apparently yeah, we yeah, missed yeah. already, but <laughs> yeah, I guess. It was uh, a oh, days actually. Ago. Okay. So here's a fun mk story yes perfect transition okay. based on the rapture oh i actually have two of those do we have time for two yeah, go for it okay so the first one i was 16 and on this trip i this was the first trip where i went on a mission trip without my like it was my mission trip uh it was with a, a drama evangelism team part of teen mania which is 
well, that's a whole nother issue now, but, um, and we went to Bolivia for 30 days and I experienced things like, I thought I was healed at one point, another story. I thought, uh, at one point we supposedly completed an exorcism again, another long story, but the fun one was when we went from one village to another, went further and further out away from the city till we got to this one place where there was no electricity. And the sky that night was gorgeous because there's no light pollution. And so there's, you've got 30 youth. I was one of two translators, but we decided to sleep out in this unfinished church out under the stars. Well, sometime in the middle of the night, the, it started sprinkling. So all of us kind of got up and went under some, some shelter to sleep. One guy didn't wake up. <laughs> all that happened to him was he woke up and saw like clothes and sleeping bags and other things still out and just him. Oh, wow. Now we've, we've all been taught about the rapture. We've been all been taught about the second coming on the stuff. And he said, he, he, he told us, he's like, I sat up and I was like, well, shit. Well, shit. Yeah, and then he realized what time it was. He's like, well, if they didn't take me, at least I'm going to go back to sleep. So he just went right back to sleep. So I was like, well, kudos for you for looking on the bright side. Now, yeah. the, the second one happened in college. My best friend, my other best friend from, from the school I graduated from, from CAG, he lived in California. He had come out to my wedding, and then I flew out to his wedding, and he picked me up. I went late at night and so it's like one o'clock in the morning san diego time and, I, and i'm in east coast right now and so i'm exhausted then we had another hour drive to this friend's house so i'm just wiped out so we crash on this friend's couch i don't know who these people are but i wake up the next morning his his sheets and blanket and all are still on the other side of the couch and he's, there's some clothes there. Now, I didn't think anything of it. I got up, go to the bathroom, went to the bathroom, came back out and noticed this familiar face in a picture on the wall. I'm like, who is that? And, and I don't hear any cars outside. I don't hear anything. It's just complete silence. I realized it was Tim LaHaye. Wow. <laughs> From Left Behind? From Left Behind. And I was, <laughs> yes. So my first thought was, well, shit. Oh my God. Uh, okay. What do I do? And, um, and then I hear a voice coming from the other room and I'm like, okay, maybe either somebody else was left behind or I don't know. And so come to find out it was Tim LaHaye's daughter on the phone with Tim LaHaye. Oh, uh, or relative, I don't, I don't remember exactly her connection. I think it was daughter. I don't remember, but I, but I, because I was so out of it. Mm -hmm. But he was on the phone with Tim LaHaye. And I was like, well, if they're still here, then I'm fine. <laughs> so yeah. that's so you know, it was, it was the most bizarre experience. Uh, uh, but it was a strange fantastic. thing to be afraid of, you know. Right. You know, I think we were all so scared of like quicksand back then and, you know, all these unrealistic things. Um, but being scared of the, the rapture, <laughs> like dominated a lot of my thought back then. That is so funny. That's so funny. Mm -hmm. Well, especially when you walk around with that guilt, you're like, well, what have I done? You know, have I done something, you know, 
Right. So, yeah. It was, it was wild, it was, but I got a good laugh at it uh, later, but gosh, it's, it's insane. Mm. That's awesome. All um, right. We are, looks like we are. Yeah. Cumin, any, any final thoughts here? Oh no, no, no. Daniel's a talker. He, he, he's, I can't help it. <laughs> I can't help. My bad. My bad. Uh, no, no, no. It was it was wonderful. Hey, hey, listeners, this is our first official episode of season four. We've got mm-hmm. many more wonderful guests lined up for you. Yeah. Caleb worked his ass off <laughs> and to get these guests on on board with us. I mean, just like Daniel, we're going to have fantastic people coming on and sharing right. from mm-hmm. their hearts. And just one caveat, people, people, please listen. We talk about a lot of stuff on here. We talk about mm-hmm. a lot of controversial issues on here. But the first and primary thing, the one most important thing that we're doing here is trying to provide a safe place for all of you. Anyone mm-hmm. can come here and talk about anything you want. We're not trying to shun away people. We're not trying to make enemies. We are creating a safe space for you to feel who you need to be. That's just mm-hmm. us. And that's been our goal from season one. Yeah. And it still continues to be our goal. Can, can I add something to that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because the thing about that is that we see, especially on TikTok, <laughs> the, the, the debate talks and all that, we see all this just, it's it's either you're wrong or I'm right. You're, you know, and they hate each other. There's this, this, and I have to remind a lot of atheists. I'm like, hey guys, y'all remember you used to be one. You mm-hmm. used to be a Christian. I I I don't hate Christians. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not against them. I'm actually for them if they, as long as it's a healthy belief and mm-hmm. non toxic. I want. I want everybody to. <laughs> that's why I guess I'm the dad, the chaotic dad, uh, the yeah. dad part of me. I want everybody to get along. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to be healthy, and. I recognize that many people believe the things they believe not out of choice, because, but because of where they, they were raised and the environment they're from. And yeah. I just want them to be healthy. That's it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't, a safe space is extremely important. There, there aren't enough of those. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you guys for, for, you know, making this work for myself and for so many others. Uh, I know MKs need this community. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Caleb, your turn. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. why don't you give us the call to action for our very first episode of season four since you worked hard to make it happen? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think um, be intentional about the space that you create about you. Have a conversation uh, or create around you. Have a conversation with someone that you know um, thinks differently from you and just listen, listen to their perspective and be open. We have a lot of people reach out to us on social media, um, and uh, some MKs have reached out and said, "Hey, you're not, you're missing a lot. A lot of my experience was awesome. It was fantastic. I had a completely different experience from you." And I always ask, "Okay, come on, come on the show and and tell us about that." And I feel like we've always been respectful to let them just tell their their part of the story because everyone's situation was so different, and so. Right. Um, the only way we learn from each other is to challenge ourselves to have conversations with people that think differently from us. Um, all right, that's the call to action. I'm going to play us out here, guys. Hey, and, and and find those spaces. Yeah. Yep. Get it out.
Damn, it feels good to me. You're only shining when you act yourself. Wish I could learn that before I went through hell. Lord, I was trying to flip the cards I was dealt. All right, Q. Uh, Are we gonna do the vanguards, man? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're rusty I'm, I'm, guys. Woo, woo, woo. On the count of three. On the count of three. One, uh-huh. two, three. Go, Go vanguards. Vanguard. Oh.